If your child attends one of our preschools or daycare, they learn a lot of things. One of the things they learn to do is to pray before they eat. They're taught to give thanks to God for the food that they are about to receive. They're taught where that comes from and who the ultimate provider is. So they learn a prayer like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for our food, for our food. We are very thankful. We are very thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So at our table, when our grandkids come over, they're kind of like, wait, wait, wait. We didn't pray. We got to pray. We pray anyway, but we let them now lead us a lot of times in our prayer. And we together sing that song. Now, they were singing it really slow, and my wife's into music, and my family's into music. So he said, no, we're going to speed this up. Jesus will listen fast. So we sing that fast forward. Prayer is a very important part of our life. And this year, you and I are going to make a lot of choices about a lot of things. But one of the choices I want to encourage you to know that you have, that you can make, that can make a difference, and can be a great asset to you, is you can determine right now that you're going to be a person of prayer through this year. Our choices very often determine our outcomes. And that's the series we're in for this month. And I believe that God will help each one of us, if we'll tune in over the next little bit, to experience maybe a, a fresh perspective or a new perspective on the idea of prayer. Prayer is not necessarily that God is some genie locked up in a bottle and we go rub it and get our wish. That isn't the point. But prayer is an ongoing relationship with God. It's an ongoing conversation with God. It is something very wonderful that we can participate in with our Creator, with our Designer, and it's something that is a privilege for every one of us. It is not taxed. There is no charge. Every person in this room has a privilege of prayer. No matter your background, no matter where you've come from in life, we have the opportunity to lift up a prayer to God. I read the story one time of a father who was watching his younger child, and the child was moving some rocks and got a hold of one that was pretty big. And he was having trouble with it. And his dad says, son, are you using all your strength? And he said, yeah, dad, I'm using all my strength. His dad said, no, you're not using all your strength. You haven't asked me to help you. And sometimes I think that we are doing so much on our own that we forget to pray. We forget to stop, slow down a little bit. But we live our life in such fast forward and we forget to ask God to lead us in the way He wants us to go. Sometimes we mix it up and say, God, bless what I'm doing instead of God, let me do what you're blessing. When we do what God is blessing, we live a blessed life. We live a life that is meaningful, a life that has greater gravity to it than it is when we live a life on our own accord, doing our own thing, our own way. This week, those that were watching a football game saw the immediate demise happening right there as DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field with cardiac arrest. Huddled all around the field then came players that became prayers. They, they understood the need to pray because they understood that there was somebody greater than them. There was somebody better than those that would just alone offer first aid assistance, though we appreciate the effort they give. Very often they do great work. All through this week, the media social media, and the uh, television has been loaded up with pictures of different kinds, like the picture of Great American Ballpark that illuminated the sky at night asking for prayer for DeMar Hamlin. Pray for him. 
was a prayer. This week, my son sent a picture, Andrew, sent a picture of a prayer bench that he had made for the prayer bench ministry at his church and for the series that they're going through and the messages at his church. Harris Faulkner, a news anchor, she, um, she wrote a book, and it's just come out this year, or just at the end of last, Faith Still Moves Mountains. And my wife received this as a gift over the Christmas season and has begun to read that. It's a prayer book talking about answers to prayers that are miracles, where God intersected the human event and did something spectacular that only God could do to bring together results that are amazing and outstanding and bring glory to Him. In Psalm 55, David is being uh, dealt with by his son. His son Absalom has given him all kinds of grief. And we also know that it is not just his son now that has caused him problems, but he is having some problems with some people that he has worshipped with even at church. And he goes to God because he is dealing with this angst and this burden. Fear has gripped his heart. And sometimes fear grips our heart and grips our mind. And sometimes we don't know where to turn and what to do with the situation that is at hand. I was with some people praying with them and for them recently. And they didn't know what to do with the situation they had. And maybe you're in one of those kind of stories right now. It reminds me of the time the preacher talked to the little boy. And the preacher asked, son, do you pray your nighttime prayers? And the little boy said, yes, sir. And the preacher said, son, do you pray your morning prayers too? And the little boy said, no, sir. I ain't scared in the daytime. So he didn't pray then. David was so moved by his prayers in, in verses 6 through 8. He says, I want to take wings of the bird and fly away. Now where we live, Pam and I, way up in the sky, not real low, but way up you can see these jetliners heading over to the east or going out to the west. And sometimes you look up at them and if you're having any kind of trouble, you see those airplanes flying and you say, man, I wish I was on that flight headed wherever they're going right now. This week, the snow geese landed right here on the ball field and they stayed out there and it was amazing. I went out the south entrance down to the end of the, end of the church campus and from there I could hear them on the ball field and up in the area around they were talking and I don't know if they were praying or not, but they were talking and they were just cackling and chatting and going after it. It was just amazing to see them there and they were there for a while and renewed their strength and then they took off again and David says, I want to be a little bit like that because his Close friend Ahithophel, quite a name, Ahithophel, has really turned against him. Have you ever had that happen where maybe a spouse turned against you or maybe a child turned against you or a coworker turned against you? He had a worshiper turn against him and this person turned against him in verses 12 through 14 and he feels the pain of that. Peggy Noonan writes, she's a columnist, Washington Post. I don't follow her necessarily for theology purposes, but she said something interesting about what I'm going to say. She said, the wisest words I ever heard about patience were from a born-again Christian whose husband was an agnostic. She loved and believed in Jesus. He was in turn derisive and dismissive. A Christian friend then gave her this advice. Don't talk to your husband about God. Talk to God about your husband. Great advice. Notice in verse 16 of Psalm 55 here by way of introduction that David realized prayer was his best avenue and it was his greatest resource in this moment. Henry Blackaby's written a lot of soul-searching books and a lot of great books that many of us have read from. 
And in one of his books, he says this, Prayer is powerful indeed. Our resurrected Lord reigns at the right hand of God. I wish we could catch that this morning. Our resurrected Lord reigns at the right hand of God. That's where he is. And he makes intercession for us, as the Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8. We have a powerful advocate, our Heavenly Father, who hears us when we pray. Jesus Christ is our intercessor, and the Holy Spirit takes our prayers when we don't even know what to say. He says them for us. So I want to look at three aspects of the passage that Pastor Peter read just a little bit ago that show us how to persist in prayer in our time of need. Because in 2023, we can choose to pray, and in 2023, I am certain that you and I will come across moments when we have a great need. The first thing we point out, look at verse 17, is David's prayer was continuous. David's prayer was continuous. He says he's going to pray at night, in the evening, through the night. He's going to pray in the morning, and he's going to pray at noon. In other words, he's going to be able to pray all day. This kind of reminds me of, of Daniel in the lion's den when he would pray three times a day. He wouldn't just pray one time. He'd just go ahead and just talk to God throughout the day. But he had three specific times that he prayed. The Apostle Paul put it this way in the New Testament. He said, pray without ceasing. That's back to what I said at the outset. You can have this conversation with God going on all day. When I welded at Westinghouse, it flipped my hood down. I would weld, and very often I would pray while I welded. Now I try to give them an honest day's work while I welded, but it's just praying while you work. Uh, there have been other things that I've done in my life, and I've been able to pray while I've been doing them. And you have too. You've been able to drive your car down the road, and you found yourself praying because there's something pressing in your life, and your mind is drawn to the possibility that God could help you when no one else could, or God could give you guidance and wisdom when no one else was able to. There have been many times on your bed at night when maybe a tear was accompanying your face, and as it ran down, making its journey across your skin, it was symbolic of what was going on within your heart and something that's happening out in your life. And you laid there with a tear going down your face, and God understands, and the Scripture says He would bottle up our tears. He understands our tears. And right there in the night, David says, when I don't understand what to do, I'm going to pray. The venerable Patrick Payton said this, a world of prayer is a world of peace. And David's requests were before God all the time. Give me some relief. Give us some help. Do something about this situation. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher a number of years ago, and he, he wrote many things that were recorded down. And, and he, here's what he said about this. He said, seasons of great need call for frequent seasons of prayer. Have a pleading heart, and God will have a plenteous hand. Man, I like that. David believed that God was the unfailing resource. He didn't have the idea that I went to God yesterday, so I can't go to Him today. Or I asked God about this last week, so I can't ask Him about this this week. He understood that he could go to God all the time about the same thing and different aspects of the thing, and so he continued to go to God and continued to pray his prayer and continued to believe that God would do for him what no one else could do. When Keith and Karen Rose's son John was very sick with a very, very difficult heart condition, infection of the heart. They literally would take his heart and bathe his heart with uh, antibiotics. Never heard of it. I remember one day I was looking out in the parking lot. It was a weekday. 
and I saw Keith Rowe walking in. He had done this before. He was walking in with his Bible. He came up here to this building with no one else here. They didn't have church. There was no one else here. But he got alone with God, and we agonized with him before God. And I remember on that Christmas Eve service when we all prayed to God and said, God, let this be the day of a miracle. And God chose to give the miracle. Keith went back over to the hospital, and as he walking down the hall, Keith saw the doctor for his son, and he was, he was smiling. He said, have you heard the good news? And Keith's like, what? Your son is doing great. That's a beautiful answer to prayer. It doesn't always happen that way. We pray, Lord, your plan, your will, but this is our will. We, this is our request. David knew God's ear was always open to his request. And I'm convinced that God hears every prayer. He doesn't always answer every prayer like we want him to, does he? He doesn't always come through in the time we want him to. And he may not have come through in your marriage like you thought he should, in your child's health like you thought he should, in your parent's situation, in your business situation, in the way that you thought. But we don't give up on God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not always ours. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 said, Then... Uh, let us then approach God's throne, his throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You don't have to be bashful or backward about praying. I've said it before, I say it again. If you don't know how to pray, put an empty chair here. If you're riding in your car, you've got a bucket seat on the right side over there, you're driving along, you just say, God, sit here, I'm going to talk to you like you're sitting here, and just talk to God. It's a beautiful privilege we have. You don't have to be profound. He doesn't critique it because he knows what things you have need of before you ask. He knows your thoughts before you think them. Yet there's something about prayer that pleases him that we would go to him. Now, I like to watch Dr. Pohl, the veterinarian. Any of you like to watch Pohl? Lift your hand if you like to watch Pohl. I love to watch that show. I've learned so much <clears throat> and I've seen them come through and sometimes not come through with situations. He is a Christian and Dr. Pohl will, will go and very often he'll administer uh, treatment to an animal <clears throat> that others might not have extended to the animal. He says, you never know until you try. I love that attitude. You never know until you try. And then he says this. He very often will do something, and then he'll say to the people as he's about ready to leave, he'll say, and a prayer. You need to pray, he's saying. We will try this and say a prayer. I heard about a lady that was having some real trouble, and she was in the baseline of life. She was having trouble just getting food to eat, and some maybe are there right now, and some of you maybe were there. She had no money to buy any food, and she prayed out loud to God. She said, dear God, I need food. Please send me a side of bacon and a sack of cornmeal. That's what I want. God, please send it. And she prayed as loud. And her neighbor heard her repeatedly praying this prayer. And he was a little bit mischievous. And so he got the bacon and he got the flour stuff and cornmeal. And he went up on her roof and there dropped a sack of this stuff down through her chimney. And it landed right at her feet. She was ecstatic. She began rejoicing loudly, and she went around town telling everybody God had answered her prayer. And he heckled her and said, God didn't answer your prayer. I did. And she said, oh, no, no, no. The devil may have delivered it, but the Lord sent it. 
I want to encourage you today to pray continuously. Don't go faint in your praying. Continue to lift your requests and make them known to God. I noticed something else. David's prayer was contagious. Look at verse 17. He intended for his friends to hear. Now, when Jesus teaches us to pray in the New Testament, he teaches us to enter into the closet. This prayer example here is a different kind of prayer. And David is praying, and he's praying it out loud. He is giving his prayer card, his attendance card, into the church, so to speak. He's writing out in loud, bold letters, if you will. Look what he says. He cried aloud in distress. That's what your Bible says. He cries aloud in distress so others would join in with him. David's holding back nothing. He's expecting God to hear him. He's expecting God to answer him. And he knows that friends could ridicule him. Let me ask you a question today. You're praying your prayer. What if God doesn't answer? You've lost nothing. What if God does answer? You've gained everything. It's a win. And so some of those prayers that you're praying about your business, about your clients, about your presentation on Monday, some of those prayers you're praying about getting some favor in some area of your life, and you've been praying this for a while, go ahead and pray it. Pray it and pray it and believe it. Continue to believe that God will help you. Just be bold, as if he's going to answer you, in the fact that he could. Paul and Silas displayed this in Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> if you remember from that story in your scriptures, in Acts 16 in the New Testament, Paul and Silas were jailed. They were imprisoned for their faith in God. And they said their prayers and they sang out loud, and at midnight, though they had done this and the other prisoners around them heard them, God sent an earthquake and shook the prison loose and shook their chains loose. He heard and answered their prayer. A writer put it this way, enough with timid prayers that moves neither God nor man. God, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour we need you. That's what it is. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst, on live TV this week, offered this prayer for Damar Hamlin. Out loud, he's on the left side of your screen. God, we come to you in moments that we don't understand, that are hard, because we believe that you're God. And coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad. We're angry. We want answers. But some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for tomorrow. For healing for tomorrow. For comfort for tomorrow. To be with his family. To give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer worked, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. And the other two analysts said separately, amen. I thought it was beautiful. Throughout this week, in social media and in the news, there have been people talking about this whole subject of prayer. In 2023, they've already needed prayer. Kier Elam, a player that plays on the same team with DeMar, he says, our boy, speaking of DeMar, is doing better, awake, showing more signs of improvement. Thank you, God. Keep the prayers coming. All of three. His number is three. And the family thanks for prayer. The team's thankful for prayer. 
More people are coming out and saying, I believe in prayer. And if you watch one of the games yesterday in football, and I haven't watched a lot of football, kind of got tired of the political aspect of football, just quit watching it for a while, but I've kept up with this saga. It was amazing that the teams, both of them, knelt to pray before the game began. I'll give them that. That is amazing, and that's a good move. A nation at prayer is a people at peace. We need to get back to God, and it needs to start in the household of faith, doesn't it? Third thing I want to point out in verse 17 and 18 is that David's prayer was confident. He says, he, speaking of God, he hears my prayer. He expects God to hear him and answer him. Verse 18, he remembers prayers that God has answered in the past. You've been there in the past, you've come through. Have you been able to build an inventory of answered prayers? Years ago, I heard a minister talk, and he said, I have a prayer list, and my prayer list, beside it, no, no matter how many years I might pray for something, when it's answered, I'll put an A beside it, answered. He said, so to inspire me in my faith, I will go back and look at my prayer journal, and where I see those answers to prayer, it gives me boosts and faith to believe that God is hearing me now. Now, something happens a lot of times when I pray. We don't want to pray and ask amiss. We don't want to pray and pray outside God's will either. So sometimes God aligns me more with his will and says, no, I'm doing something different you don't see here. I'm not going to answer that prayer the way you think it ought to be. I'm going to answer it a whole different way. And we're like, what? We don't like that. We didn't sign up for that. But then God moves. And we begin to see in Romans 8, 28, God has a way of working all things around some way, someday, together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. I thought this was going to happen in Kansas City about 30 years ago. God was just preparing me. I thought this might happen over in Bethlehem about 25 years ago. God was just preparing me. Here we are, living the reality of that for which he had caused me to be born and for that which he had prepared for me to do with you. The contemporary English version, I read from many translations, but the contemporary English version in verse 18 says it this way, I'm attacked on all sides, but you will rescue me unharmed by the battle. I like that. God, somehow, some way, you're going to bring me through. I don't know. When I was a kid, we used to sing, I know the Lord will make a way for me. I know the Lord will make a way for me. Live the holy life, shun the wrong, and do the right. I know the Lord will make a way for me. Simple little chorus of profound truth. And we ought to pray with more expectation. We can pray and believe that we will receive whatever God has in mind. Over Christmas, there were families telling me, we're getting together for the first time in years, years with family members. They've been praying, they've been hoping, they've been waiting, they've been wanting. Some have said to me, we, we, we were able to get together for the first time and they were overjoyed and tears coming down their face. Some have said, I've been praying for my friend to come to church for decades and they came to church over this last season through Thanksgiving and Christmas and they were overjoyed. You can pray with doubt and you're going to live without. But you can pray with faith and believe that God will help you that you might receive. And let me say this about families. You may be an individual. You are a family. But you may have others around you, a spouse, or maybe you even have children. Or maybe you're a single parent. I don't know your story. But you do. You know what it is. There's a, there's a saying that I believe is more than a cliche. And it says this. The family that prays together stays together. That's more than a cliche. Do you realize the divorce rate for a family that will pray out loud together 
is less than 2%. I want to encourage you to initiate and launch in your family, in your home, the idea of praying out loud together. You say, Kev, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do. And we've never done it. I'm going to show you and teach you right now how to do it. Because some of you are living a very, very solo life, even though you're living in a home that comes to this church. And you don't have to live a solo life. You can strengthen yourself at home. You can say it just like this. You're sitting around the table, and you can say, hey, you know what? It's right after supper or whatever. Uh, we haven't really prayed out loud before. We're kind of uncomfortable with it. Don't really know what to have. Just admit it. Everybody knows it. Just admit it. And dad or mom, you lead this. We haven't done this. And um, how about we take three minutes, set a timer for three minutes. Don't go long, don't go 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> It'll kill everybody. Just, you know, three minutes. <clears throat> I want us to think about some things we're going to pray about over the next three minutes. And so you think about those things you're going to pray about. You think about them, and then you say them out loud. And as you say them out loud, you say, now nobody's going to talk this time out loud. But what we're going to do is we're going to just sit here, and for three minutes we're going to pray. The timer, when it goes off, we're done. Everybody says, amen, we're done. And you try that. And you try that every night, or you try that every Monday night, if you've never done it. Just say every Monday night, or every whatever night you all sit together as a family at one of your meals. You just do that. Or maybe you just start before your meal and just say, let's return thanks for our food. You don't have to join hands. And don't pray a long prayer before the food. That's rude to the cook. They prepared it, they served it warm, get on with it. So you want to have a short prayer. You want to have a word of prayer. Kind of like that little song I sang at the beginning on purpose because some of you have nothing. And you pray something just as simple. Dear Father, we thank you for this food you have provided. Amen. You can pray that simple. If you never do it, just pray that simple. Instead of just sitting there starting to grouse about the day and everything, bring God to the story because he provided the food for your family. You know what I'm saying? So right now in your home, if you want to strengthen it, if you'll start doing this, something will happen in your home. It will, walls will start to come down. I know, they'll start to come down. And God will start to do good stuff for you. Nick Thomas had been in the military, had a good career. He had been in the insurance business, had a good career, but now was hitting on hard times. And he lived over in Bluebell, not that far from us, when his life ended about a year ago. But he was in straits and did not know what to do. And his wife, Liz, she began to pray in earnest. And they had descendants that had come over from Russia. And every Christmas she would give away jars of mustard to some of her friends and they'd rave about it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her at church one day and said, make the mustard. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? They didn't know what they are going to do. She makes a bunch of recipe, a bunch of the recipe for, of mustard, and she gets that all together, and they take it, and a vendor tasted it. They wanted to get into the cheese market with this. They tasted it and said, I want your entire inventory. Wow. Eventually, they broke into the New York deli market with this, created a company, and they were able to sell their mustard everywhere. It happened when they quieted down and prayed, and God says, make the mustard. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Scripture says, and we're going somewhere, aren't we? You just have a little, look at what God did for them. 
and he took care of them and supplied their need. What do you think God could do for you if you would unleash him in your situation? What do you think he could do for you? Well, why don't you find out? This year, why don't you find out? Why don't you become a prayer warrior of one and initiate wherever you are, let's pray about it. At this church, if somebody comes up to you and says, would you be praying for me this Tuesday when I go into the hospital and have a checkup? Yes, I will. What time are you going in? Eight o'clock? Well, let's pray now. <clears throat> you just pray right then. This is a house of prayer. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to everyone. Father, we give you thanks for this day and the blessing of walking with you, of serving you, of knowing you, of being able to worship you together. We thank you for the privilege of being able to talk to you anywhere, to just lift our heart to you <laughs> authentically. Just authentically being, being us, trusting you as you. Until we might join with that preacher and have a lot of A's for answered prayer. Or join with David and come boldly to you. Or like the couple needing a break, may you guide us to our own mustard seed somewhere. In Jesus' name, amen.